0: Industry Pods and Evergreen Podcast Network are pleased to present the following podcast. 16.
1: Yeah. Hi. Hi, good afternoon. How's everybody doing? How's the show so far? Great. Uh, this panel is going to be regarding logistics, supply chain, uh, moving product uh, around the United States, some around the world if you have questions about that. We had Uh, An initial question for you all regarding your interest in our industry. Uh, How many people are focused on uh, THC, uh, regulated market side of the business? Anyone in here? Okay. I like you a lot. Uh, How about folks that are focused more on the CBD hemp uh, D8, this side of the business? Okay, any other markets that I'm not thinking about? Kratom, other markets? Second, That's right, mushrooms, I like you a lot too. I mean, I like all of you, uh, but later, can I have some of your mushrooms? That'd be great. Um, so, my name's John Hartzell. I am co-founder and CEO of a company called Dispo. We're a branding uh, and packaging company, and we uh, do quite a lot with moving the goods of our industries around not only the world, but throughout the United States. Um, I'd like to uh, allow my compatriots here to introduce themselves. David?
0: Sure. My name is David Reckless. Um, We have a booth downstairs, uh, Private Label Hemp Lab and Diamond CBD. Uh, We focus um, on all the different hemp products, so your Delta-8, your THCO, your HHC, uh, THCP is picking up now as well. We also could talk about the cannabis side as well with a different company, Um, and uh, that's pretty much the background. We want to jump right into everything. Great,
2: Lee? Hi, I'm Lee Lindenbaum with UXL. I first started in the cannabis industry in 1991 on the academic side. When I had a, at Stanford University, I had a national grant. I couldn't touch the actual product in America. So I went and I learned with uh, Dr. Rafael Meshulam in Israel. And I did specializing on D8 and research with children. Came back, they said, oh, that's great. You'll never be able to use it. And I got back into the industry in 2006.
1: So when um, you think about who the smartest person in the room is, just think about Lee. Um, he's he, and and Mushlim, um, please spell his name. And folks, write that name down and uh, YouTube uh, Dr. Mushlim because he's uh, probably the most well recognized researcher of cannabis and CBD and hemp products in the world. Um, I'd like to start David at the at the very beginning. Right? You're gonna you're gonna get some hemp. Or you're going to get a product you're going to get material whatever that is and and that material is going to come with the coa can you talk yeah, well it better come with the coa uh unless you don't want to know what the coa says and then don't get one but plausible liability. but um but let's talk about the coa and what that is and, and what it means to these folks businesses
0: absolutely um and on the hemp side there's a lot more you have to do with on the cannabis side on the cannabis side the way cannabis works and the regulations, etc., everything's kind of taken care of for you. If you don't follow the law, you're going to go to jail, right? And it's but it, most people, unless you're owning a dispensary or you're moving the product, and again, it has to be moved in a very compliant way. The COAs for the most part are taken care of for you. The way the testing is done, and the HEP side, it's the wild, wild west, right? So a lot of people here have probably started out on the CBD side of things, and uh, and then saw everything migrate as we figured out, hey, wow, we can create really great THC products. Right, that'll get people elevated as well, um, but now there's a lot more scrutiny on there. Right, So your COA is, first of all, it's not negotiable You don't buy product without a COA. That being said, the odds of you getting the COA that matches the product you bought, it's a crapshoot. Depends on who you're dealing with. It's very possible, it's extremely likely, that if you're buying product from people you don't know, or even people you know, and maybe got it from someone else, that the COA that they're handing you and the product they're handing you don't match. <clears throat> And it's your responsibility if you're going to either make product with the oil. Like we're, we're an extractor, so we sell you know thousands of kilos of different types of oil, right? You get that oil, and we give you a COA. It's imperative that you, the person that bought the oil, or you, the person that bought all the gummies or all the vape carts, etc., that you go and have it tested yourself. Now, getting it tested, one lab isn't another lab isn't another lab. You know, the laboratory space is it's a very uh, 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 lucrative space to be in. So a lot of people are jumping into it, right? Uh, like if you go downstairs and you walk in the door, straight ahead on your left, the second booth, ACS Labs. Probably one of the top five labs in the country for cannabis and for hemp. They do it right. They got super smart science people out there. You know, they really, they have it locked down. Um, and you're not necessarily gonna get that same level of expertise when it comes to getting a lab report done. Here's a crazy interesting thing. So let's say you go to a, a lab that isn't as good as ACS, and most of them are and they give you a test back, and the test is compliant, and you go then and make your product or sell your product, and then law enforcement comes in and checks your product and it's not compliant, you would think, well, I went to the lab and I paid the lab, and here's the receipt, here's the COA, it's, it's on them. No, it's on you. Kind of crazy. And again, they'll look at it and see if they think you did something malicious or not. Super important to use a, to use a great a great lab. So you need to do your research, make sure you're using a fantastic lab, Number one. Number two, you need to test it yourself. I don't care. I'm just telling you guys, that, and, and, I, and I've been burned myself by falling off this once in a while. When you get product from somebody and they give you a bunch of COAs, go get it tested yourself under your own account. Okay? It's, it's 100% on you. It's super important.
1: Like mean, what? what are we testing for on, on, on COAs? I mean, what, what are the things that you're looking for? Uh, what are some markers that you'd want to know about?
2: Yeah, well, micro uh, microorganisms mold is a big problem. Uh, also, the THC levels, as David was mentioning, over time, well, it's a natural growing plant; it'll it'll continue.
1: And it, it's a it's an organic material, even if it's off the plant. What can happen to it, Lee? Uh, as the material is off the plant, can it continue to get hot?
2: Oh yes, very very much so. Talk but a little bit about that. Sure, the THC in, in any living matter will it'll continue in the plant and that's why when it comes to, this is off the topic, but pharma, uh, to take a THC it's very hard to replicate the same uh, without doing any type of lab work. Um, so you, you, you have to be very careful with the COA um, again, a big, big problem: with mold and and insects.
1: Yeah, I, I can tell you, I I was uh, operating a CBD company. I've since moved out of that company, but we purchased uh, product from uh, a trusted source, like you say, you know, a person I know. And ultimately, uh, our bank communicated to the lab. And asked them if these COAs just to do some due diligence on us were legitimate, and the guy that was selling us these products was uh, making uh, Photoshop changes to the COAs, and we were full of hot product. We almost lost our banking relationship as a result of this situation. So, regardless of what you're getting into, having regular understanding of who you're working with and checking up on the search and and the testing and the company that you're working with is important. How do you, David, you've got many companies in this space. How do you deal with product that is continuously getting hot, uh, is uh, potentially legal or or maybe needs to be uh, uh, tested to stay legal? Sure,
0: great question. Also on on the COAs, so when you're looking at COAs for hemp, so right now DA, D10, THCO, HHC, THCP, you, you want to make sure one that you're not over the 0.3% on the Delta 9 because now you're illegal. You also remember these products are make, made using you know chemicals, solvents, etc. So a solvent test, especially if you're the one that's actually buying the oil that you're going to use to go ahead and manufacture with, it's a good idea to do that. Now those tests become more expensive. Full panel tests become more expensive. So you got to kind of look at your budget and make sure that you're you're, you're spot testing and doing full panels on uh, uh, at times. Also the um, the testing on the um, on just the cannabinoid panel is also much faster and less expensive. You absolutely want to do that at a minimum, but if you don't test your solvents, and if solvents are left behind, guys, and you're selling those products, I mean, in a vape cartridge, you could burn someone's esophagus. I mean, horrible things can happen. So it is really a really important thing to do to make sure. On the hot side, the, the biggest, I think the biggest problem in the hemp side of the industry today is, so everybody loves flour, right? If you walk downstairs, you can see some beautiful CBD and CBG flour and then most of it is sprayed, for lack of a better term, using D8, D10, THCO, you know, THCO, HHC, et cetera. But that flour itself, if it was CBD flour and you had a COA on it, and it was showing 0.26, 0.28, et cetera, over time, it's very likely it's gonna go beyond 0.3. So I, I believe the smartest way to manufacture it Though not necessarily giving you the best product is use CBG flour because that flower is really never going to get hot there's just such a little amount of de- Delta 9 inside there but if you're using CBD flour and you're getting really close to that point three on that COA just understand the COA from October that showed 0.8 if you tested it today in March there's a good chance it would be it, it could be you know 3 one etc as Lee was saying it continues to uh, react uh, so that's something to certainly watch out for
1: yeah now Lee is that going to happen in concentrated products? as well? No, it should, it, so, it some, should not. Some sort of, a, what about a live resin or anything like that? I mean, is that is that even relevant in this part of the industry? I, I,
2: I'm not sure. Yeah, So I'm, I'm,
0: yeah, I'm pretty sure that you don't have anything to be concerned with outside the flower. Okay. I've never seen, again, I'm not a scientist, I've never seen um, gummies or vape carts get tested after the fact and, and, and come in hot um, unless it was not the right COA, most likely candidate, right? Pardon my French a shit lab <laughs> second most likely candidate which is why I recommend the ACS downstairs because they're just fantastic and they you know they have clients from all over the country they happen to be based out of Florida but I mean they're fantastic so those are the two two most likely things to happen for those to get hot but it's not I've never heard of a cart or a, an edible or something like that. Uh, in the hemp space becoming hotter after a legitimate COA was done on
2: it. I, I haven't ever found anybody that
0: tested it after that fact. Well, I have quite a bit. So, what happens is so we're a private label manufacturer, so we, we, we manufacture for hundreds of brands. So, what happens is we manufacture for the brands, we carry the you know, liability insurance on it, et cetera, all the, the, the things manufacturers do. So, let's say I'm manufacturing for you. So, I make you all these products, and you, now you go out and you get them into 50 different smoke shops. Then law enforcement walks into one of these smoke shops and says, "Hey, we're just doing a routine check. We're taking these three things. Here's a receipt, and if there's something wrong, we'll let you know." And they go and they test it, and that happens every day in every state, all the time, right? So that's where it happens. And So we'll get a call once in a while, luckily hardly ever, but once in a while we we'll get a call. But I'll hear horror stories, right? Where oh, this shop got shut down. There's you know ten percent THC in there or thirty percent THC, something they're crazy. Like, no, 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 here's the COA, here's the COA. Like, listen, buddy. That's great, you can bring it to court, but for right now we're confiscating all that brand's product. We might shut your doors down, and I've seen it happen.
1: So David, that, that liability really resides at that retail level as a manufacturer or a distributor. What is your liability in that situation? So again, not an attorney, um, but
0: uh, if the store were to buy product with COAs on it, and it was hot, I believe the liability would be on the brand that sold it to them, but I'm not sure. But the, the retailer is gonna get kicked hard in the butt. Like, I mean, the product's gonna get confiscated, their store might get closed, they're probably not getting that, that product back. So that's another thing, too. You wanna make sure, you know, in an industry which doesn't have necessarily known for its scruples, you wanna make sure you're aligning yourself with really smart, ethical people. So, not if, but when a problem arises and things are gonna happen, right, you're dealing with people that are gonna say, okay, We're gonna work on this together. We're gonna get a chain of custody. We're gonna get all the documentation together. We're gonna present the case. We're gonna be behind you, right? So if I manufacture for Lee, right? And then Lee sells, you have 10 smoke shops, right? It's incumbent that we're all gonna work together and make sure that we can support what happened and go in there and tell our story. And that's, you know, and then what I've heard, luckily it hasn't happened to us, but what I've heard is if you do that and everything looks above board, et cetera, even if something comes out to be a little bit hot, you know, they look at it, you know, and it's, you know, a slap on the wrist, and that's about it. If you're doing something malicious, of course, or if you were completely, um, you know, uh, uh, not respecting the process that we're talking about here, then, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say, hey, someone gave me the COA. I thought it was good. I'm not sure how well that plays off.
1: Yeah, I didn't know I couldn't do that it's not a uh, legal defense. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it never has been. Uh, I can tell you from experience, you know, and, and Lee, we're getting to uh, a point in the conversation here where, we're talking about the movement of goods and the, the way that you're purchasing them and and how you're receiving them. Documentation of your goods and how you've received them and how you're moving them into the marketplace is just as important to the quality of the product that you're purchasing. Can you talk a little bit about that and why it's important?
2: Sure. Well, it, in the cannabis supply chain, compliance, compliance, compliance is is basically the, the mantra. Um, and you, you really have to, it's very easy to step out of bounds unless you really know what you're working with. Each state is very different, each county has different laws, so it's, it's very tough when you go over state borders, cross state lines, again, and I do a lot of my work overseas, it's, again, compliance, 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 or you end up in jail.
1: So when you when you move product, let's say we're moving a CBD or a CBG or whatever overseas, uh, you know, I had customers in the in in Europe buying our CBD products. How, how do you do that? What does that look like?
2: I will- it's uh, for a lot longer conversation. But um, yeah, again, compliance, you have to just make sure. I, I've worked with a lot of people that if you don't have the proper paperwork, you end up in jail. It's it's that simple. Um, you know, it, As I was mentioning to my, my colleagues here, if this was anywhere outside of the United States, everybody here, most of the people here would be in jail because of, again, compliance, compliance, compliance with real state. Federal laws, and you know, and you don't want to end up in a foreign prison. Um, you don't want to end up prison here, but especially yeah. a foreign. The
1: prison. the two things you don't fuck with are the government and people who buy ink by the barrel, right? Yeah. And so, so David, can, can you talk a little bit? I I know you're moving product not only all over the United States but the world. And can you talk a little bit about how you manage your compliance and ensure that? Uh, your company is safe from any governmental action sure so actually I brought up I, I brought with me and I can hand them out
0: to people or email them to you but I brought a two different things that we make sure go into uh, uh, into all the uh, packaging so um, we have in here a uh, United, States, it, United States Department of Agriculture self-certification and then there's another one whatever the title is on that but we we go ahead and we make sure that there's paperwork with everything that we send. Right? So we're putting in documentation that says, hey, we're certifying this is below 0.3% Delta 9 THC, which is the most critical thing that they're looking for um, with that. And then we make sure that there's a COA that's attached, that we actually ensured that the COA was tested. You know, we had it tested ourselves. Right? So we put in a compliant COA in there. We put in documentation that says, hey, this product is compliant. Um, that's how we protect ourselves.
1: What are your uh, efforts or software or systems that you have to ensure compliance and knowledge of your product and to move your product around the United States?
0: Yeah, so, most of everything is done by batch code and lot numbers. So, we're concerned with you know, potential for a recall or potential. So, let's say somebody um, uh, takes a bottle of gummies, right, that we manufactured, in this case for Lee, sold them to John. They buy, they they come and get the gummies and they open them up and they say, "Wow, well, these gummies are super hot, right?" And they have that. So there's a lot, there's a lot number and a batch number on there. We can go have, out and pull samples from that and other product, etc. Because we don't know once that bottle's open, we don't know if it was tampered with. And I tell you, I've seen in this industry, because there's some crazy people in this industry, folks. I've seen people try to knock other people down by getting people to go in there and try to go ahead and, and you know play with product to knock out a competitor. This is just happens. So what they do, they'll go ahead and they'll actually, you know, comp- complain that this product made them sick or made them hot, etc. And they'll bring that bottle to law enforcement or to somebody like that to go ahead and give that brand a hard time. So if you if you can't go back and say, well, hold hold on a second, this product was tested and made on this date. Here's all the information. Here's all the COAs. Here's some samples if you need to test them as well. That product's been open. Here's a bottle with the same batch number, same lot but it hasn't been open, right? And that that was a lesson that was learned personally firsthand. Saw that happen and uh, the company was able to survive it in terms of you know staying afloat but they took a huge hit to their reputation because once it's out there that the product the pro- the product had it was tainted right people say oh it's a tainted product you know it's like it's like you know you know front page in new york times saying so and so did this horrible thing and then you know, oh we made a mistake and page
1: 17 two days
0: later it's, it, it, there's the retraction everybody remembers you know page 1
1: yeah you know take take a look out here the, the number of people in this world right now, uh, multiply that by a million of your competitors that are out there that are, some of them are doing good quality business and others are going to engage in nefarious activities to uh, harm you so they can do better. And that goes for your social media accounts, that goes for your marketing, that goes for your product, that goes for calling the cops. All of those things are in play and your competitors will do what they have to to succeed in the world some of them are doing good business a lot of them are doing business that will impact you in a negative way Lee, can we talk a little bit about uh, how we got here uh, with regard to there there's a regulated market or markets for thc products and dispensaries and uh, some states most of them now have created a commercial legalization and now we have da d9 hhc THCO, O THC zero. What are all these things? How do how do we get here? I
2: ask the same thing all the time. Um, the The original D eight um, in a plant that's not synthesized like you see here, it doesn't have a psychotropic effect. Um, that's why we were able. When I did research on it, we actually did it with children um, because it's it's a very safe thing. I, in my opinion, it's it's. The, the areas that THC is not legal in, they had to come up with something to get people high, um, which is just, you know, and that's where D8, D9, D10, uh, things, you know, D10 is, it's all, it, it, it wasn't around or it wasn't known 30, 40 years ago. Um, D8 was, um, but not in the same form as it is now. Um, so w- when it comes to the medical side, you know, the. The, the shows like this is, are really more for the the fun partying. Um, it's really not for you know helping cancer patients or helping people going through chemo or life debilitating diseases. This is to party and have fun. So again, you know, if it, any way when it came to alcohol, the same with marijuana, you, you 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 find a way to to have fun, and that's what this side of the industry, in my opinion, is. It really doesn't show the true benefit of what cannabis can and will do in the future, besides medicinal, you know, the, the fabrics, um, the reduction in carbon footprints. It, 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 to me, it, it, there's so much more than just the partying
1: aspect of it. No doubt the value of the plant goes far beyond what we're doing with it now, and the fact that we haven't been. Uh, engaged in research and study and use of the plant for so many years uh, is absolutely ridiculous. Um, David, when you think about um, the future, knowing what the Farm Bill says and what other local governments are saying, state governments are saying, particularly those with regulated cannabis industries, what is your thought on the future of the DA, CBD, CBG, THCO, THC0, HHC world?
0: Yeah, so pure
1: speculation. Did I get them all? I'm trying to get them all. I, I like THCV because it's an appetite suppressant, and you can see I eat a lot. Uh, but what is, what is, what's the future of this situation, David?
0: Sure, so again, pure, pre- pure speculation for somebody that's just in it every day. So if you look at what's happened in the last year, so right, Delta-8 came out really hard, really did well. It was a way to get somebody a similar effect to its counterpart of cannabis, Right, without going through regulation, without having to go to a dispensary, without having to be in a state that has it all set up, the price point is lower. Right, the effect is nice. It's it's fantastic for everybody except for people that are in the cannabis business. Right, so you know, for a state to go legal with cannabis, it's a big decision. It has to pass many different rounds of you know of uh, regulation within the within that the, the, that state government, and they make a huge investment in that because right, it's gonna bring in massive amounts of dollars to the state. And then the folks that have to get involved in that, it's super expensive to play in that game, guys. Super expensive. I mean, the insurance, the taxes, the licensing, it's just really expensive to play there. And so they get set up, they put a lot of money into that, they're following all these very stringent rules, and then all of a sudden, they see Delta 8 advertised everywhere, from the gas station to the kiosk, to people walking around on the street trying to sell to people, and they're like, holy crap and their business starts to go down because people can buy it elsewhere, buy it cheaper, and not have to go to the dispensary. So the states where Delta-8 has been banned, though it's still trading there very easily, but technically it's been banned, most of those states are states that have uh, cannabis business going on. And you know, the lobbyists there on the cannabis side are saying, listen, this isn't fair, this isn't regulated, they're not testing it well, it's, they're not checking it, it's everywhere, who knows what's going on. No, by the way, like, we're doing everything the way we're supposed to do it, and now our numbers are dropping because next door at the you know, at XYZ store, they're buying this. So that's gonna be, I believe, the biggest hurdle is with cannabis going, it's not if, it's, it's not when, it's not if, it's when now, right? Cannabis is gonna be legal, Nationally, in this country, we're going to see it happen in our lifetimes, which I think is a pretty amazing thing. So, based on that, I'm not sure. I think you have a, a good runway. I think you have years left to be in that space. How it's going to play out from there, I'm not sure. Here's a crazy thing: like in Michigan, for example, there's two. Di- there's you have. The, the agriculture, the MRA that does uh, the, the rural affairs, they govern CBD and hemp, and then you have the marijuana regulatory. So you have marijuana regulatory, and then you have urban affairs. Two, they're not even two different regula, two different regulatory bodies that are looking at this. So you have CBD here and, and and cannabis here. So I think if it's going to stay legal, and it's going to be there. Though they probably need to come together and look at it holistically and figure that out. But I think there's a good runway, and especially the states that don't uh, have. Um, uh, cannabis legal it'll be there it'll be there longer um and the reason hhc is so popular right now it's not that it's a better high it's just that you don't have to deal with the DA bureaucracy bullshit that you have to deal with in the states that are telling you you can't do it anymore Right, So it's just, it's just the next new shiny thing, and we can keep doing that. We can keep making new stuff. That's easy. You know, we figured out how to make D8, figured out how to make t there's a Delta 6, there's a Delta 3, haven't played with those yet. Those will give a similar effect, right? So we can keep moving, you know, the, the, the little shell game, we can keep moving it, right, as regulation, regulators try to stop us. Um, so I don't, it's not a super clear answer. I think you have years, but I think at some point in time, the regulations... Bodies come together for each state, and they figure out it could be that you have to buy it in a dispensary at some point.
1: Right, and I, you know, I, I uh, participate in the governmental affairs portion of this industry in multiple states and at a federal level uh, with NCIA and and other organizations that are uh, supporting us, all of us, in the effort to have legal uh, cannabis in the United States. And I can tell you that the regulated markets. Uh, are all, those folks that are in a commercial situation that's regulated by the state government, they're all protecting themselves against these products. And so it's important that you know which states are protecting against those products. So if you're selling a product, for example, I live in Arizona, to a head shop in Arizona, you might have a problem once it gets there. And so you need to know about that and understand those rules before you start selling. Now, if you want to sell a product, sell it in fucking Texas. Uh, they'll take it, and those people don't have any weed and they need it uh, badly. So that's where I will go. Um, Lee, we have a couple of minutes left, and I want to get your thoughts on this as well.
2: Yeah, I was uh, going to say that when, when it comes to all the different types uh, that are, as you say, coming out. Um, the the one thing that's hindering the, the industry is the lack of regulations, set federal state regulations because in California, in my area, is very different than California and Southern California. We're in Northern. Um, until the, the, the industry really, in my opinion, is not going to grow to its fullest extent until we have set federal and state laws that everybody could play on a level playing field, and at this point it's
1: not. Right. I mean, that's the maturity of our industry, whether we're on the THC side or the alternatives to THC side of the industry, the maturity of our industry is that we're growing into it right now. We're we're in maybe the preteen years of this industry. And so there's going to be uncertainty. And the gray area nature of our business now is the reason we're all here. There's more money to be made in those gray areas. And we do have a couple of minutes here to entertain a couple questions, if anybody has any questions for us. We answered them all,
0: (laughs) really. I'm going to throw two things in here. All right, here. two Just things. Quick. So to Lee's point, like in my office, there's a board that shows which states Delta-8 not supposed to be sold to. We're not shipping to states where they tell us we can't ship there. If someone wants us to ship it somewhere else, it's no problem we're not doing that. And also, like Lee and I had a conversation this morning, you know, talking about is this what we're doing legal or not, you know, on the, on the, on the THC side. And, you know, looking at the Farm Bill, and we argued it both ways. Right, you know. Of course, I argued it the way I wanted to argue it because I'm in the business. <laughs> but you know, is this synthetic or not? What makes it synthetic is using acids and solvents and pressure systems. Does that make it solvent? Does that make it? Is that make it a synthetic? Or are we just awakening the genetics that are within the CBD, anyways, and, and, and through pressure allowing it to change. Right. So, and those are the conversations that are also happening at each state. You know, to figure out whether or not what we're doing is Farm Bill compliance. Because if we're not Farm Bill compliant, then there is a problem. Then the show does end. Right? So we need to be able to prove reasonably or, or inject some doubt otherwise to make sure what we're doing is okay, which is why some of these other cannabinoids that people are looking at to get people high, they're looking at ways to do it in a way that, again, is less and less likely to be in potentially violation of the farm bill.
1: Well, yes ma'am. What's that? Who won the debate? Like so oh, uh, <laughs> he It was a truce. None of us are lawyers. Right. I love it. I love it. Talk right. to right. your lawyer. So, yeah.
0: Basically said, listen, it's 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 a gray area, right? Because you know, synthetic is you know you know it's certainly not an analog product. So, yeah. but uh, yeah, we agreed. I guess we agreed to disagree.
2: Well, you know, with delta eight, you know, it's only found naturally in 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 cannabis and marijuana at about two to three yeah. percent. Um, so, in order to really – you have to have a lot if you're not synthetically manufacturing it, or a lot of material.
0: Um, to get pure, true Delta-8 is very limited. Right. But the Delta-8 that you're speaking of is the Delta-8 that actually isn't going to get somebody the effect that they're looking for here. Correctly.
1: But all right. The, I, all right. I know this – I've I, I this conversation. And I, and I, I appreciate uh, everyone that came here and, and was listening to our presentation and – and Thank you so much to David and Lee. They're clearly the smartest guys in the room regarding these products. Uh, hopefully you agree with one of them. Uh, probably most of you agree with David, but uh, thanks so much. We appreciate your time. And if, if you have any questions afterwards, we'll hang around for a little while.
0: Yeah, thanks everybody. Appreciate it.
2: You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging.